What is up everyone? My name is Joseph and welcome back to another casually competitive MTG video. For this video, we want to do something a little bit different. This video is going to be the first and hopefully a series of videos that we produce, which will be more of a discussion style video where we go over aspects of a semi-competitive or more competitive EDH environment and we just talk about them. In this video, we're going to keep things fairly basic to kind of lay a foundation for the future videos in the series. So for this video, we're going to start right at the beginning. Keep in mind that while this video will be on the more introductory side, as the series progresses, we will be working on expanding into more complex topics, but we thought it would be a good idea to start with something that is more of a baseline or some more foundational topics. So those of you who are interested in powering up your decks and playing at a higher power have all the information that you need in order to understand the videos that will be coming down the line. Today we're going to talk about how you can build a plan before the game even starts in order to deal with your opponents without even seeing what their deck can necessarily do. Throughout this video, we're going to walk through the color pie and pick out some very specific commanders in order to give you the information that you will need so you know what to prepare for when choosing your opening hand or just when playing through the early game. After watching this video, you should have a pretty solid grasp on what you can expect, and you should be able to look at a commander, and without even knowing exactly what's in the deck, use the colors and the keywords on that commander to kind of get an idea of what that opponent is going to be looking at doing. Really quickly before we get started, I do want to let you know that if you do want to help support us financially, we have a Patreon as well as the YouTube membership join button below. If you're looking to buy cards in the near future, we have a TCG affiliate link at no cost to you. You can help support the channel just by buying some magic cards. In fact, Finally, if you want to talk to us or join the community, we have a public Discord available. Links for all of this stuff is in the description below. Now with that all out of the way, let's start our discussion today talking about the first color in the Wooberg color pie. Let's talk about white. Now when you think about white, at least from a competitive commander point of view, you might think that this is just the least powerful color. It's the color that has the least going for it. And more times than not, you would probably be right. White does have some significant problems, but it does have some things that it brings to the table, and there are some things that you should plan for and expect to see if your opponent is running white. So to start off, let's talk about what white does well so you know what to plan for. The first point, and what I would consider to be one of white's biggest strengths, is their ability to play and work around light stacks and hate bears. These static effects are slotted in normally to slow down their opponents while not affecting them too much. Many of them are universal, so they do affect them, but their decks are normally built in a way to work around them while also affecting their opponents in the most effective way possible. A good example of this is the spell Deafening Silence. Deafening Silence is a one-white enchantment that really just says many decks are just going to play one card this turn. However, in a deck that it's slotted in, if you're playing that card, chances are you have a very creature-heavy strategy. So while it does somewhat affect the person who plays it, it really affects those who are not prepared for it. There are some effects that are asymmetrical, so it doesn't hit the person who played it, and a good example of this is Linvala Keeper of Silence. However, these effects are often much more higher cost. So for 4 mana, you can turn off the activated abilities of your opponents only, but it is a little bit on the pricier side in terms of CMC. That being said, these stacks effects are something that white is good at. Another strength that they have is very specific single target removal, and removal that is normally very good compared to other colors. And a good example of this is Swords to Plowshares, where it not only kills a creature for 1 mana, but it exiles them. So it gets around graveyard strategies, and if you kill 
kill a creature, that creature's probably dead for real. There are other single target effects that do something similar in white, but Swords to Plowshares is probably the most prevalent example. Now, for all the things that white does well, white does have quite a few weaknesses. As I said before, it is generally considered to be the weakest color, and for the most part, that does hold up true. White's biggest problem is that it really has a hard time getting ahead of other colors. A lot of the good draw pieces or a lot of the good ramp pieces really just catch you up to your opponents. It doesn't push you farther ahead. An example of this is Alms Collector. Alms Collector makes it so if an opponent draws two cards or more, you and that person will both draw one. So it doesn't stop them. It only slows them down and just kind of keeps you up with them. Another quick example would be Land Tax, where it is a great card. However, other people need to be doing better than you in order to get this enchantment to work. It is a great card and can be used very effectively, but it doesn't push you ahead. It really just keeps you up with everyone else. So if you see white across the table, those are the things that you should be able to expect that the white cards in their deck will be doing. They'll have those certain strengths that we talked about, and they will have some significant drawbacks. Now, what can you plan for when you see white across the table? The biggest thing is they're going to be aiming most likely some hate pieces or some single target creature removal. So really the best thing you can do to plan for the white cards that are going to be coming out of your opponent's deck is just plan to be slowed down a little bit. Plan for maybe a creature deck get destroyed at instant speed or plan for your spells to be a little harder to cast. That being said, if your spells are harder to cast, so are your other opponents. So be able to work around that. Keep in mind as you keep your opening hand, what can you do to get around maybe an Eidolon of Rhetoric or like a deafening silence, what opening hand can you keep to either get rid of the hate pieces or play around the ones you expect? It's going to take just gameplay experience to know what decks are going to run what hate pieces, but just in general, expect to be slowed down if you're playing against white and do what you can to use this to your advantage so you don't play into the hate pieces, you play around them and make your other opponents suffer even more because of that. Up next in the color pie, we have blue. Now, when you think of blue, you think of just control more oftentimes than not. Blue has a lot of instant speed interaction and has a lot of stuff to not necessarily slow you down, but just full out stop you. It's also very good at generating value for its controller. So the person playing blue is going to be able to get good value and stop you from getting your value. So what are blue's strengths? What are her weaknesses? And what can you do to play around a blue player? First off, their strengths. Like I mentioned, they do have a very strong control package. Blue has a wide array of counter spells, of permanent bounce spells, like something like a Chain of Vapor or Winds of Rebuke, and although not always relevant, tap and untap effects. Something like a Dramatic Reversal is important to note here because it can make their board state that much more impactful by untapping their permanence and, and allowing them to ramp out in a color that doesn't normally ramp very well. On top of control, blue also has a lot of ways to get efficient card draw and card selection for very low cost. A good example of this is the many cantrips that are available. So think of a ponder or a preordain. These aren't just pay one mana, draw one card. These are pay one mana and filter through your deck, either shuffle, scry to the bottom, just get rid of cards you don't want. So your card selection is more impactful and more efficient than it might otherwise be. That all being said, while blue does have a severe amount of strengths, it does have some very relevant weaknesses. 
The first one being that they're not just looking to stop you. They have to worry about three people to control. Now, there might be other blue players at the table, but the blue players are also trying to control each other. So it's not just you versus that blue player. They have to worry about other people at the table in addition to you. Another point is there are a lot of counter spells in blue, but not all of them are very efficient, either mana-wise or what they counter. And what I mean by this is a three mana cost counter spell is usually not super efficient to play, as that's a big investment. However, a two cost counter spell, like a negate, only counters non-creature spells. So there are limitations to what they are able to counter at any given point in a game. There's very few counters that are efficient and that just blanket counter anything. So depending on what the meta is that you're playing in, you might be able to sneak something in even if they have mana available. To wrap up the weaknesses section for blue, one thing that I do want to make mention of is that they are very vulnerable to very specific hate pieces depending on their deck. For example, a card like Mana Web or Price of Glory that really punishes them for playing at instant speed on other people's turns will make them think a little bit extra about countering or interacting with the board state, at least at instant speed. So this is something that you can take advantage of. And that brings us into the next point is how can you plan to play against a blue player? And what should you keep in mind when you keep this opening hand or when you decide to make a play? The best thing you can do when playing against the blue player is just always be aware of how many cards are in their hand and how much open mana they have. A lot of times you'll find out a blue player is just bluffing with open mana. So being aware of, again, the amount of cards in their hand really helps you get a feel for if they do or don't have a counter. Again, it does come back to experience, but it's something that's pretty easy to pick up on. While you can't always reliably look at their hand or know exactly what they have in hand, you do need to make sure that what you do doesn't give them any card advantage. There are very specific cards like an early Mystic or Mora or a Ristic Study that are kind of card draw engines for these blue players, and you need to make sure that if possible, you don't feed into these engines. If they play a turn one Mystic Remora, do what you can to play creatures, or if you do really need to make a play if you have a strong early game, do it in a way that draws them the fewest amount of cards. You want to make sure that you're doing what you can to deny them that card draw, because the cards they draw are going to be used to control your board. So whether that means taking a turn off because of a Mystic Remora, or paying a Ristic Study tax that you really don't want to pay, a lot of times it's worth it to deny them that card draw. That being said, if they do have a lot of mana available and they have a lot of cards in hand, playing around a counter spell by playing a, a card that is counterable but is not inherently relevant to your game plan is something that can be used to just draw a counter out of their hand or draw a piece of control out of their hand. Losing a really good value piece is worth it if it means you can get your win con to stick on the board. The last thing you can do when planning to, to play against this type of player is make sure you time your spells correctly. Timing is important when playing against someone who's playing a control deck, so knowing when to play a spell and when to wait and maybe let someone else take the heat for a few turns is very important with getting your spells to resolve. It's often worth taking a few turns off to just wait for someone else to be a bigger threat rather than play into a counter spell if you, the only cards you have in hand are things you really need. It's not worth losing your win con very early if you know it's just going to get disrupted anyway. Wait for someone else to combo off. Like I've said often, it's always best to be the second person to combo off because more times than not, everyone will use their interaction to stop the first person. 
So if you're that second person, there's a high likelihood that a lot of the control and a lot of the interaction at the table was already used up. That all being said, that does kind of wrap up this section on blue. As a quick TLDR, plan on them interacting with your board state and always be aware of what resources they have so you can time your spells effectively. Now I'm sure you've heard the phrase, black uses life as a resource fairly often, but what exactly does that mean and how integral is that to their game plan? Well, let's talk about it really quick. So to start off, what does black do well? As a very quick disclaimer, black does a lot of things well. It has fantastic tutors. It's the only color where the tutors are not for specific card types, so you don't have to reveal off of a tutor. They have very strong rituals really ramping them into into bigger spells early on in the game they have really reliable ways to generate card advantage throughout a game not as much card selection as blue but definitely card advantage and they are probably the best color to utilize their graveyard which means that even if something is in their graveyard it's not necessarily gone forever but that stuff was all obvious everybody knows that what i want to talk about is how black uses resources like their life total or their creatures to get these advantages and how you can exploit that now keep in mind that it's not just their life total that they use as a resource it's creatures there's a lot of spells that require a creature to sacrifice they use their graveyard as a resource, as a location to where their reanimator targets are going to go and how they can sheet out big monsters. Black is very resource dependent, and they're very dependent on resources outside of mana, and that's where you can kind of hone in and exploit the weaknesses of black. So for a quick example, let's talk about card advantage and how you can slow that down. A great example of card advantage in black is Ad Nauseam. At instant speed for 5 mana, you can just put cards into your hand based on your life total. So a good way to counteract this is just swing at them. And not just with large creatures either. Let's say you have a 2-2 that you've been able to swing for 3 turns and the black player didn't have any blockers. If you took those 3 turns to swing at them and did 6 damage to them and they cast Ad Nauseam sometime after that 3rd hit. If their average CMC in their deck is 2, that 6 damage translates to an average of 3 cards that they're no longer allowed to put into their hand. 3 cards can be pretty significant in these higher powered games, and since a lot of the creatures that you'll be playing early on in a game will probably have ancillary benefits like card draw on a Timna or an Okama adversary, so if you're going to be swinging anyway, choose the one who it affects the most to deal the damage to, and more often than not, it's the person who plays black. In addition to life total, the other ways you can keep the person playing black in check is to just make sure their board state stays as small as possible. Now that might seem obvious, but black is affected by that more than most other colors. Them not having a creature on the battlefield means their diabolic intent can't be cast, their culling the weak can't be cast. Them not having a graveyard means they're not going to get threshold off of the cards that have it, like a dark petition or a cabal ritual. Them not having a graveyard means they can't utilize their creatures in the graveyard to cheat them out, so something like a rest in peace or Tormod's Crypt does really well to keep that in check. So when looking at dealing with a player who is playing black, the best thing you can do is just keep them off of their non-mana resources, and they're going to have a hard time progressing their game plan. One good thing about playing against a black player is that they're not going to have too much control on their end either. They might have some creature removal, but they're not going to have artifact removal or enchantment removal they're just going to have their utility spells that give themselves benefit, but they're not going to touch you too much, so use that to your advantage as well. Control them, and they're not going to control you back. Now when we get to red, you're probably thinking, 
It's a good color and standard, but in Commander, probably doesn't do as much. And there is a good reason for this. In standard, you see a lot of hasty small creatures or a lot of pingers that do, you know, one to three damage here and there, which is relevant when you're playing against one person with 20 health, but it's not as relevant when you're playing against three people with a total life pool of 120. So a lot of the benefits of red from a standard type format don't really translate over to commander well, but there are some things that red can do well, and there are some definite big parts of red that you should be aware of. So let's talk about what red is good at. Now, in my opinion, one of the things that red is the most good at is land control. Now, land destruction is included in this. There are spells like Ruination, which just destroys non-basic lands. But there's also spells like Blood Moon or Magus of the Moon that turn off non-basic lands, especially for players who don't play red in their deck, and just makes those lands useless. So a lot of land control, I guess you could call it. Another area that red excels is artifact destruction specifically. There are cards like Shattering Spree, Vandal Blast, By Force. These are really efficient and well-costed spells to just destroy large amounts of artifacts. They're usually easy to cast, and they usually do their job, like I said, efficiently and effectively. If you have five artifacts and someone duplicates Shattering Spree four times, making five total copies, it's hard to stop that. They're most likely going to get at least a few of them, so like I said, they're good at artifact destruction specifically. Another thing that they're actually very good at is they have a good amount of finishers. And what I mean by this is, I'll mention one card specifically, Kiki Jiki Mirror Breaker. This card is fantastic. This is a hasty creature, which is another thing that red is decent at. Not as relevant in Commander, but it is a red staple. A hasty creature, which is one part of many two-card combos. And there are other cards like this in red, like Splinter Twin. It's just one half of a combo that just needs the other half in order to just win the game. If you're playing against the red deck, you should should expect them to have red-based finishers. That all being said, red does have some pretty prevalent weaknesses. The biggest weakness is that there's not a lot of redundancy for what they do super well. So like I said, they do have good finishers, but you know, there's only a handful of cards that do that. This means that oftentimes red is going to be a splash color. And while not always true, many times if there's a player who has red in their deck at a competitive table, removing their red sources of mana is actually extremely relevant. Using your strip mine on their mountain, if they only have one source of red mana, takes them off Splinter Twin. Splinter Twin has two red pips in it, and Kiki Jiki has three. If they're not at that amount of red mana, then they're kind of out of luck. So that's one big weakness, at least for red in the competitive or more higher-powered environment. Another thing that they struggle with is card advantage specifically. They have a lot of ways to either loot or rummage, which means they have to discard as well as draw, which sometimes can be used to their advantage, but they have a hard time generating actual significant card advantage. It's at best poor card selection. So if a red player's hand is empty, don't expect them to be able to fill it up quickly, and you can use that to your advantage as well. Another big issue with red is they have very poor non-artifact removal. So if you're playing against someone who plays red, they're not going to get rid of your enchantment. There's very few spells that they have that is going to get rid of that enchantment. Even creatures to a point, they have very poor ways to get rid of larger creatures and anything that's not an artifact. The last weakness that I wanted to go over is the fact that they struggle with reliability. It's a very chaotic color and oftentimes isn't always dependable. A quick example of this is Gamble. It's a one mana tutor, however you now have to discard a card at random. It doesn't give you any real card advantage and you could just completely forfeit the card you're tutoring for. There are other examples that I'm not going to touch on now, but just in general red is a very chaotic color and it's one of their larger weaknesses I would say. 
So that all being said, how can you plan to play against a red player? Well, like I said before, since red is often a splash color, stop their red sources. Destroy their artifacts that produce specifically red. Strip mine their lands that produce red. Keep them off of a red color and you'll probably completely stop whatever they have in store if it's based off of red. Another good way to stop them is keep their hand empty. They have one of the hardest times refilling their hand, like I said before. So if you can find a way to empty their hands, they're gonna have a hard time just not top decking for the rest of the game, depending on what their supporting colors are, but they're very rarely going to get that value from their red color. And last, but certainly not least, we have green, the last color in the Wooburg color pie. Now, when you think of green, you probably think of big creatures and ramp. And honestly, you'd be right. While green may not have everything, the things that it does, it does incredibly well. Ramp is a good example of this. Even though the spell ramp part of green is a little slow from the more competitive side, mana dorks and playing additional lands on a turn are kind of just staples of green and can be utilized very easily to propel that person forward in terms of their mana generating resources. Another area of the game that green really shines is their creature quality. Now, the mana dorks are of high quality and the ramp is insane, but even in addition to that, there are a lot of green creatures that just have insane value. A good example of this is Collector Oof. Shutting off all artifacts while you just ramp out with dorks is incredibly important and sets the green player so much farther ahead from everyone else who's not playing green. Outside of that ramp, or I guess anti-ramp like Collector Oof, you have cards like Reclamation Sage, which for three mana destroys an artifact or an enchantment when it enters, and you also have a body on the field, which can be relevant in certain games. Outside of control, you also have wind cons in a green on a creature. Craterhoof Behemoth is a great example. If you played a lot of dorks and you just slam down a Craterhoof Behemoth, you're probably going to kill at least one person this turn. It's incredibly relevant and the quality of the creatures in green is incredibly high. Now, not to spend too much time talking about the greatness of green, but I do have two more points to talk about for green. The first one being control, specifically artifacts and enchantments. Green has hands down the most efficient artifact and enchantment removal in its colors. There are many 1-2 to two CMC instant speed spells that just remove them off the board. Sure, some of them give the controller 4 life, but that's almost never relevant. A lot of them have very minor drawbacks, and the benefits of them are 1 mana and instant speed. So they are very reliable, very consistent artifact and enchantment removal. And finally, the last strength of green that we're going to highlight in this video is their protection. Green has a lot of protection, protecting its own permanence, protecting its mana dorks, with cards like Autumn's Veil or Veil of Summer. These cards can give creatures hexproof so they can't be removed by targeted spells, can make their stuff uncounterable. There are spells like Savage Summonings, which basically gives you an uncounterable Crater Hoof Behemoth if you have the mana for it. So just in general, green has a lot of protection. That all being said, green does have a number of weaknesses that you can utilize to set the green opponent you have at your table back turns. And the biggest weakness they have is, while they do have good creature quality, they are very reliant on activated abilities specifically of their creatures. A spell like a Cursed Totem or a Lunvala Keeper of Silence shuts off a green deck almost full stop. If a deck is based in green, that shuts off their mana dorks, it shuts off many of their win cons, and normally you're able to get around them, especially with something like Linvala where it only affects your opponent. A second week this they have while talking about creatures is the fact that while they do have good valued and quality creatures, a lot of their early game plays are going to be on creatures that are very weak. 
pyroclasm type effects that just deal two damage to all creatures have a very good chance of just resetting a green player completely. While green does have a good amount of protection, these types of effects don't normally target, so there's not many ways to get around them. So any way you can do to just give an entire board minus one or minus two minus two or do two damage to everything is really going to go a long way when playing against a green player who had a very explosive opening hand. And that kind of leads me on to their third weakness, which is they're really bad at rebounding after their board state is disrupted. There is some good card draw in green, but a lot of it is honestly creature reliant, like draw a card for each creature, or something like Harmonize, which is pay 4 mana to draw 3 cards, while is relatively efficient, if you just wiped off all their ramp, they might have to actually tap 4 lands for that spell, which is really what you want them to have to do. So their rebuild is much slower. Not to mention that once they refill their hand with mana dorks, they're all going to have summoning sickness now. It's forgivable at the early parts of the game because no one's going to kill a dork turn one. But when turn five or turn six comes around, your mana dorks are no longer guaranteed to be safe for an entire turn cycle. So when playing against green, these are really the things that you can focus on in order to slow down their game plan. Now before this video ends, I do want to go a little bit farther than just talking about the color pie. So to close out this video, let's take a commander that may not be widely used, we'll analyze it, and kind of go through a working example on how you can look at your opponent's commander and get a good feel for what that commander is going to do based on the colors, based on what we've talked about earlier in this video, and based on the keywords that it has. So for the sake of time, we're just going to keep it to one example, and this example is going to be Damia Sage of Stone. So to start off, let's look at the colors that this commander is in. Green, blue, and black. So what have we learned about these three colors? Well, the best part of green is ramp, and for a 7CMC commander, it's probably pretty obvious that they're going to want to ramp this out pretty quickly. So expect a lot of mana dorks and early ramp plays. Blue. Blue has a lot of control, so expect them to protect whatever they're going to cast. So, so far we have big ramp, protection, and control. And black, honestly, they're going to tutor a lot, and that's just what black does. Black can kind of be simplified more times than not. If it's not the only color or if it's not a two-color deck, the black is going to be a supplementary color to fill their hand and to tutor things up. So pretty simply and pretty obviously, since we spent the last however long talking about colors, their game plan is most likely going to be ramp out early while probably holding up a little bit of mana for a little bit of control and interaction and also tutoring up what they need to. So let's take a look at the keywords and what this commander does to get a feel for what they might be trying to ramp out, what types of big spells they're trying to play, and what they're trying to protect. So first off, we have Death Touch on a 4-4 creature. Most likely for 7 mana, their main game plan is not going to be swinging, so while relevant, we can probably ignore that for now. Skip your draw step, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have fewer than 7 cards in hand, draw cards equal to the difference. So from this, I think we should hone in on two key words or phrases, the word upkeep and the phrase draw cards equal to the difference. So let's look at the second part first. With this commander out, if they have an empty hand, on their turn they're going to be able to fill it quickly. So most likely their average CMC is going to be pretty low. It's going to be a lot of mana dorks, a lot of cheap counters. However, if they were just going for value plays, they probably wouldn't be playing a 7 CMC commander. There has to be something a little bit more. So I want to look at the word upkeep. So it's pretty obvious that they're going to want to keep their hand empty so they can draw as many cards as possible, but the fact that this says upkeep tells me that they're going to want to get as many upkeeps as possible. They want to keep getting that value as much as possible. So if we put all those things together, they're going to ramp out a big spell, and they're in blue, 
the logical kind of deduction from this is extra turns. Based on everything we see here, they're going to be able to play extra turn spells off curve much earlier than normal due to the green. They're going to be able to protect these with the blue, and they're going to be able to find what they need with the black. Getting these extra turns with Damia out also lets them keep their hand full every single time they take one of these turns, meaning that they have a high likelihood to either draw a tutor or another extra turn to continue to chain off. So if I was going into a match against Damia Sage of Stone, I would keep things in order to keep their board clear of ramp, reduce their ramp as much as possible, and honestly probably some tax effects in order to make their early value just a little bit less effective. It is still 7 mana to get Damia on the field, so keeping them off Damia is probably pretty relevant. If they're stuck with no ramp and a bunch of extra turn spells in hand, they really got nothing left other than just to control and try to stall out, and that's going to be your opportunity to take control. While they are going to be pretty control heavy with blue, they are sacrificing quite a few slots if they are running extra turns, so you can use this to your advantage by making them use their protection to stop you, or to just fill their hand up with useless cards. They're eventually going to stop drawing counters and start drawing these extra turns, and if they don't have their ramp available to them, they're going to be pretty useless. Now those are the points that we're kind of analyzing from this commander specifically. Things you will pick up just from experience are generic color-based win cons. Now we will have a separate video outlining some popular ones in the meta right now, but with that knowledge, to use a quick example, for in addition to the extra turns, you would be able to see that obviously blue and black are both in their color identity. So a very popular win con right now is a demonic consultation and a laboratory maniac type effect, being able to exile their library and then draw with an empty library to win the game. So those lines are some of the more obvious lines. And like I said, we will have a separate video covering those, but those are things you'll be able to pick up and learn through watching content of other people playing your own games and just general research on the meta. So anyway, that is just one example of taking a commander and breaking it apart. This can be done for many other commanders. Luckily for competitive or higher powered play, you will see a lot of the same commanders over and over again as people like to use what is the most optimal or most efficient. So you'll get a feel for commanders as you continue to play at this power level. But if you do see something that you don't see often, kind of use what you know about colors and about keywords and what to look for in order to kind of determine what their game plan will be. So you can really mold an opening hand in a beginning and an early gameplay based off of that initial assumption. The words or phrases that you want to be on the lookout for is something like draw, or if the commander says put onto the battlefield, or cast without its mana cost, or return to their hand or battlefield, or anything that just has to do with searching. These are very good keywords to kind of tip you off on what they're going to try to do. If it says draw, what's it connected with? How are they going to draw those cards and how can they abuse that? If it says put on the battlefield, are they using their graveyard to do it? Are they searching their library to put a card onto the battlefield? You can really put a lot of these phrases together to get a good feel for what their plan is going to try to be, even if it's not something that you see all too often. That all being said, that is all we have for this video. We've gone over the color pie and we did a little practical example on how to read a commander and break it apart. And I hope that was helpful for you. The goal of this series is going to be to step in people who are maybe on the more casual side and introduce you to competitive and really help you improve your competitive game plan. Again, this one is definitely more on the introductory side and the more basic side, but we did want to make sure that we have a foundation in terms of knowledge and understanding so anyone who is kind of unaware of this scene can get into it throughout this series of, of talks or discussions. So that is why we decided to start at this basic.
That being said, that is all we have for this video. We do hope you enjoyed it. If you do want to see more videos like this, now that this introductory section is out of the way, we're going to branch out into other more in-depth areas. So expect that. But if there is a very specific type of situation or type of discussion you want to hear about, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to read them and we'd love to start getting those videos out to you. That being said, I am Joseph. This is Casually Competitive MTG and we will see you next time.